I gotta have a definite laugh for this podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> my other ones are too loud. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> 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 ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of the Audacious Podcast. We did it. We did We're it. We're here. We got a podcast. <laughs> it's a miracle. Hello, my name is Talon Bolmy. I am your host for the Audacious Podcast, and I am so happy to be here. Joining me for today's very first episode is the wonderful Kevin Williams. Hello. How are you doing today, Kevin? Oh, I've been fine. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing just well. I've got my podcast voice on. That you do. And we also have with us today, Erica Harris. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I am doing fairly well. Thank you for asking. All right. So before we jump into things, I did want to take a couple of minutes to quickly go over an introduction of this podcast. You might be wondering, okay, this is podcast. What's it going to be about? What's the focus, right? So I want to take a couple of minutes to talk about that. So the tagline we have for this podcast is think different, live different. And this whole podcast is going to be centered around that mindset. So every episode, I'm going to invite two to three new guests onto the podcast. I'm going to quickly introduce them. And then right before we jump into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, if you will, I'm going to ask them one very simple question. What is your hottest take? Also known as what is your most unpopular opinion, right? And from there, we can really get into some crazy debates such as there's this hot take I heard where um, coffee tastes like motor oil. Okay, why do you think that, right? And you can get into really cool debates like that discussions. Then there's some more like serious ones. We should do away with the American grading scale. And so the thing is, like, this is just going to be a cool way to introduce the guest without saying, oh, okay, what's your favorite color, right? But then also it's a way for us to open up mentally and to really start thinking differently and embracing different ideas. And from there, we're going to transition into what I like to say is the main part of the podcast. Okay, how do we live differently? I see a lot of people, I mean, everybody has this drive that they want to live a successful life. They want to live a fulfilling life. But then in practicality, a lot of people aren't able to live it out. And I think a big reason for that is because when we're thinking, okay, I need to get my life straight. I need to be successful. We try to tackle everything at once. And then everything falls apart because there's too many things to try to tackle all at once. We're back at square one. So every episode, we're going to really focus in and hone in on one topic, whether that's, hey, financial responsibility, keeping a positive mindset, right? Staying committed, fasting, why that's important. And we're really going to be diving deep into these topics. And I'm going to be asking the guests that I invite on, okay, What's your experience with this? How have you excelled in this, right? Uh, what obstacles have you encountered? Have you overcome that? Uh, and so it's really just going to be a way, hey, we're going to talk about how do we live a better life? How do we live a life that's different from the rest of the people around us? So I'm really excited for this podcast. I'm so glad that you chose to listen to this podcast on your morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever it is. Without any further ado, let's just jump right into it. Kevin Williams, quickly tell us your major hometown. And what is your favorite restaurant? My major in college presently is nursing of some sort. Okay. That's the short answer. It's got a lot of details involved. Yeah. So you're in nursing in your hometown? Waynesville. Very nice. And your favorite restaurant? Ooh. I don't like restaurants. I like my mama's home cooking. Okay. You know what? I'll take it. Very nice. So I want to back up a little bit. You said your major is nursing. Correct. So quickly, what literally led you into that? Ooh. Um, 
Short answer, God. Uh, long answer, we'll not have enough time on this podcast to cover that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but God's laid on my heart to help out other people. And there's a myriad of ways to do that, a uh, myriad of possibilities. And the primary way into entering into helping out communities and areas will be through healthcare. But you need to be certified and licensed in order to do that. You can't just say, oh, I read how to do nursing in a book, so I'm going to do nursing. But you can say, I learned how to do mechanics in a book and then just do mechanics because it's just an engine. So some things you need to be licensed in, some you don't. And healthcare is one of those areas where you do need that professional training. So nursing is that beginning point in which to do the training and getting trained. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Kevin, I'm so happy to have you on this podcast. Glad to be here. All right. And we also have another guest with us today, Erica Harris. How are you doing today, Erica? I'm good. That's very good. Now, Erica, if you could quickly tell us, what is your hometown, your major, and your favorite animal? Hometown is Charlotte, North Carolina. You threw me with the animal. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I was expecting Kevin's question. I thought we're not talking about favorite colors and so on. <laughs> no, not colors. <laughs> oh, Just true. different ones. Just That's different true. ones. Exactly. Um, my hometown is Charlotte, North Carolina. My major is business management. Um, and my favorite animal is a panda. Okay. Very nice. A red panda? No. They look like raccoons. <laughs> well, Erica. So happy to have you on this podcast. And now, like I said before, there's going to be one question that I ask for every guest. Kevin, let's go with you. What would you say, Kevin, is your hottest take? Yeah, so a lot of people seem to have pet peeves. My hot take is that your pet peeves are worthless mm. or they don't have meaning. Oh, Erica's got like this look of like she is insulted. I am because... Okay, so one of my pet peeves is like when people go to the bathroom and they wash their hands but don't dry them off. And then they shake your hand while their hand is wet. I don't know. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, I'm just going to counter this for no good reason. Sometimes it's good to have a wet handshake because, you know, you need moisturizer in life. That's what lotion is for, not your... I don't know if it's water or if it's like on your hands i don't know i maybe the hands are sweaty that too that's also gross like we really should talk about that too <laughs> well you can't get infections from people's sweat so that's doesn't that doesn't mean it's not gross well it's true okay so let's back this up are okay, you saying okay, kevin okay. that everyone's pet peeves are worthless all right so in general pet peeves tend to be just meaningless, worthless. It's, mm. it's like little stuff like, I hate it when people chew with their mouth open or smack their lips or slurp their soup. All of those were food related, I understand. But some of them, oftentimes pet peeves are people's efforts to control the world around them, uh, gain that control over others by pushing, pushing this idea of you need to live and act a certain way and they're saying that they need to have, you need to be concerned about this. And for me, I'm just like, I think there's some greater concerns in life than how somebody chews their food or 
whether or not they dry their hands and then shake your hands afterwards. Sorry, Erica. You should be. Not it's sorry. It's disgusting. Hey, I do have a question, though. Do you yourself have any pet peeves? Yeah, other people's pet peeves. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Does that make your hot take worthless? Good question. <laughs> We're thinking about, I'm just saying. That's an There's audacious no to thing to say. Of course. There's no need to think. The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. I just want to argue no, just to argue. Just to argue? <laughs> There's a mic in front of us. Might as well just. <laughs> it's worth it. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. And Erica, I have, the same <laughs> I have the same question for you. What would you say is your hottest take, your most unpopular opinion? People don't change. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. All right. Background. She totally stole that from me because <laughs> I came up with that idea. She didn't know it is in a list, <laughs> and then she chose it. All right. You can't just say that and leave it there. You're going to have to explain a little bit. What do you mean? Okay, so there is a hot take that people don't change. There is a very famous thing. A cheater will always be a cheater. A liar will always be a liar. People don't change. Do I agree with it? No, but there are too many people that do so I like to argue it. Mm, okay. Okay. I cheat the system. <laughs> I, bring I it see up. you. I bring it up so people are just like, oh, that's good right there. And then they're like, I agree with that. And then I'm like, aha, I fooled you. It's the Spider-Man thing. <laughs> I see you. Okay. So you would argue that people do change. Yeah, people do change. Okay. So you want to give a little bit of elaboration? How would you say people do change? Sometimes, and I've heard this before, like, if someone cheats, they actually do feel so much remorse that they don't do it again. And a lot of times when people see, like, some, most people, not all, but they see the consequences of their actions. And once they see those consequences, they're like, ooh, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Because now it's no longer just that they did something wrong. It's a, oh, this is bad type thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of behavioral science <laughs> regarding change. Um, and one of those things would be a, I forget the right terms that they use, but I want to use the term light bulb moment. So it's kind of like a significant thing that happens and that might then change change somebody's behavior. Um, sometimes it can be as simple as like a, new, a beginning of uh, the week. Like it's this newness in time and it's just somehow mentally like okay this is a new period or oftentimes like a new year which is why we tend to set resolutions then um these are the uh factors which can help change uh, or promote the change in somebody but i'll argue from the side of people don't change uh, and not from the absolute that people never change, but more from the idea that it is a very difficult thing for people to change mm. outside of outside of childhood, so to speak. Because um, in childhood, things, can, things are changing or growing up, right? But when you have reached maturity, um, you can argue on when that is, whether it's 16 years of age or older, or 25 when your brain fully develops, it is significantly more difficult to change who you are at your core, these core personality traits and things of that nature. It takes a lot more effort to be able to change these things about who you are. Not that it's impossible, but 
It's a lot of work. And because of all that work, people don't readily do so. People are lazy. That's the nursing degree coming out. I want you to know that. That was the nursing degree coming out for sure. I haven't learned any of this from nursing yet. (laughs) Just from life experience in nursing. Just from life experience. (laughs) People people change. I think, yes, it is something that's difficult to do, but that doesn't mean that it's not being done. Mm. And I say that, like, from a, like, experiencing it, but also from, like, a biblical perspective. Mm. Like, yeah, you do have some people that just, like, will always be, like, pathological liars. You always have people who always say they're going to do something, but they're never true to their word. You'll always have flaky people who don't change that. Um, But at some point, you will meet plenty more that will change and that do change, that have changed. Because we're going to grow one way or another. It's up or down. It's your choice on how you grow. And most people would rather go up. Is it difficult? Of course it is. No one said that anything would be easy. But most people tend to make the decision. There is a light bulb moment, though. There is a moment when it's like, oh, I need to get my act together. But people change. I think a lot of times the mindset of people don't change is what hinders people more than anything to do that initial action. Mm. That's good. Here's a question I do want to bring up, though. And this is, this is getting deep. <laughs> do you think people themselves change? Or do you think it's just who they think they are? changes i think it's people themselves like kevin said a lot of times you have traits that are you know learned in childhood Mm -hmm. and it's difficult to break those traits but it's still something to do some people have a protective instinct to kind of shut down when they feel like they're being attacked and so they put this wall up when they're around certain people and that wall will stay there until the end of time but when the lord comes in that's what i'm gonna get to when the Lord comes in and he'll call people out on that, like, hey, you've got this wall up. I think it's time for it to come down. It's hard for it to come down, but that thing comes down. Mm. And I think what I'm trying to get at is when the Lord does come in, he restores us to the original person that we were created to be. Mm, yeah. So what, I, what I'm trying to get at here is do we ourselves as our identity, as a real person change or just who we think we are created to be? Is that what changes and that what like affects our actions? I think those two things are interchangeable Mm. because you are who you're created to be. But because of the sin that's entered the world, it's kind of warped the way you're raised and just how you think and whatnot. Yeah, you're simultaneously a culmination of your actions. So your decisions that you made up to this point, they've they have physiologically altered your brainscape. That was a big. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, they, your brain physically is changed because of the decisions that you make. Neurons and neural pathways have shaped because of those decisions, those choices. Now, there is also an aspect of your image of who you are then influences those future decisions. So if in your past you were somebody that would always steal... You're a thief. You took what was someone else's because you wanted it for whatever reason it might be. And then you still have those tendencies, those, the tendency to desire taking that which is not yours. You know, that's part of who you are. Now, if you continue to think that you're a thief, then you'll continue to act on those actions. Mm. Versus if you say to yourself, 
and you imagine yourself as no longer being a thief because you see that this isn't somebody that you want to continue be- being, but you want to become some something different, someone different, someone that maybe even arguably is who you are at your core. Like you know that you're not supposed to be a thief. Like you have stolen, you have done these things in the past, but you know that that's not who you are, who you have to be. So then you begin picturing yourself as somebody who is not, somebody who instead gives, who produces something of value to society and then decides to give that out of benevolence. Then you begin making decisions towards that, and those decisions begin to change physiologically who you are, but also something within your soul, I guess you could say, shifts. But now that's, obviously there's no research that can measure like what your soul looks like. Everything always kind of sticks with like the physical side of things, but there is a spiritual side of things as Eric was bringing up that can drastically impact these things in the physical realm. Yeah. And I do think that's so important. I've been realizing this more and more the older I get. Our perception is so important to how we live our life, who we think we are, who we think we're made to be, who we're called to be. And just everything in between how we think of our values, our ideals, the people around us, the world around us, it is so important. I I read a quote a long time ago, but it's still one of my favorite quotes. It's by Robin Sharma, I think. He goes, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts. Mm. What do y'all think of that? You are what you think. I think, therefore I am. I think uh, Rene Descartes. Descartes? Yeah. Butchered English. (laughs) But it's a bit more than that. It's how we think determines our life. Yeah, if you always have that mindset, if you grew up in, like, a poor neighborhood, if you always have that mindset of, like, being poor, not being poor, but always have that, um, what's the name of that? A poverty mindset. If you always have that poverty mindset, you're going to remain in that poverty mindset. Yeah, if you just think you're a poor boy and nobody loves you, then I guess you'll stay a poor boy and not to receive people's love. Yeah. Even if it's there. Sorry, I was just throwing out some lyrics from Queen. (laughs) (laughs) I see it. I appreciate it. And it worked too. That's what I'm (laughs) mad about. (laughs) I thought you cared. I was like, wow, you're so philosophical. (laughs) It's song lyrics. The philosopher Queen once said, (laughs) I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. But that's very true, though. Like, a lot of people, because, like, they have that mindset of, like, they're unlovable, they're not worth it, they will push away other people's, like, love and acceptance even just because they grew up with the mindset of they aren't worth that. Mm. And I think it's so easy to stay within a negative mindset once we've developed it. I think it's easy. I mean, it just gets down to self-pity, and it's an easy place to stay in um, just thinking that, we're not worth other people's love. We're not worth the other people's time, attention, all these things. How do we get out of that? That's something I'm still working on myself. That's a really good question because there's always two sides of it. Because, ooh, okay, so I was actually talking to one of our friends about this yesterday. And, of course, you have the spiritual side of things where it's like sometimes you do have that warfare where you're battling with the demons like you just do um and it's about fighting that and realizing that god is the victor and everything like that but there's also that mentality that comes from the abusive childhood where sorry not psychology but um therapy comes into play right 
and obviously there's a huge can of worms there <laughs> bringing yeah. up battling demons <laughs> and spiritual warfare but that's where um yeah there's this spiritual side of things that can be hard to articulate and that's why you need to have a point of reference um oftentimes which goes to scripture for those things and as i say that i wish i actually had a scripture off the top of my mind but other than that i just have the general ideas of there are two kingdoms in this world the kingdom of god and the kingdom of satan and the kingdom of god is a kingdom of light of truth of love and the kingdom of satan is a kingdom of darkness of hatred of destruction and all he seeks to do is just destroy at any cost and so you know keeping it at that kind of conceptual idea is that this idea of fighting demons is fighting against these forces which would seek to destroy you at any cost, whether it is overtly or whether it's subtly within the thoughts that are planted within your mind, however that looks like, because that's actually a difficult thing to articulate um, as well. But we do have influences. I can probably just describe it as we have this influences of the things around us, whether it's the people, the words of the people that are around us, or, and that could be friends and family, or it can be from media, social media, the things that we read, the things that we uh, read in physical books or we read online through apps. Um, yeah, those ideas can influence then us in our own internal landscape, our own internal thoughts. But what I was going to say on the aspect that's, I guess, not just spiritual, but physical is like for myself, I was saying I'm working on that is that for my background being adopted, um, there was a time when I just learned to take care of myself. And so from that, it was difficult to receive love and acceptance and affection from my parents now. So like I would there's one story that my mom told me that when I was young, I had, I guess, scraped my leg. I probably was trying to do something on a bicycle, you know, doing whatever young boys do, trying to be manly. <laughs> and so I'd fallen, scraped my leg, and I just went to console myself. So, like, I just kind of brought my legs up, you know, sat on the ground, brought my legs to my chest, and was just there kind of consoling myself, you know, just trying to calm myself down and my mom wanted to um as a mom does come up and and show me affection and that she's there for me and I just pushed it away because I had learned up until that point I was probably like six years old or so between six and eight when that had when that had happened I just learned to take care of myself even if it meant just loving myself and so because of that there are still there's still that residual feeling within me that I have to take care of myself. And that's a difficult thing to navigate now that I'm older. Like I said, there's change is difficult. There's difficulty when you get older to change these innate core parts of who you are, your personality. Yeah. And so I still, still work on that. Um, and it's definitely improved. I will say it has definitely improved since then, but it has not been an easy route. 
I've had to push myself in a lot of ways that were uncomfortable and continue to do that because it wasn't just a one-size thing. Change is not a linear solution. It's not like once you've reached this point that you've desired that then you stay there. It's dynamic. Continues to change. (laughs) Yeah. Change continues to change, right? So, like, improving yourself is not something that stops. Yeah. That's good. You told me mine was a heavy hitter. (laughs) That's good, though. Yeah, that's good. And if you don't mind me asking, you've mentioned that it's gotten a lot better, but you've had to push yourself in ways that are uncomfortable. What does that look like? How have you been able to actually change yourself for the better? So some examples, I'll just start from like after high school, I went to a gap year program and, and at this gap year program, there was, um, I can't remember. I think something like seven guys in this really, really small cabin. And then there was something like we started with like eight girls um, and they had their own um, place as well. And the nature of this program was that you interacted with these people 24-7 more or less. Like from the moment that you woke up to the moment that you went to sleep, there was some form of interaction. You couldn't really leave. Um, and it sounds like a prison. It wasn't. It's was actually really good. Um, and it wasn't like I could never find time. I, we lived at a, at a summer camp, essentially a, a retreat center. And so there's a lake. I would go walking, that kind of stuff. Um, and spent time with myself to recharge. But at mealtimes, I couldn't just walk away. You know, you had to be there at dinner or at lunch or breakfast. And because of the way that I grew up, the way that I thought about things and received, the way that people said things, um, I would misinterpret what was said. Mm. So it could have just been something that was said neutrally, and I received it as something being said negatively. Mm. Or it could have been somebody who was just talking about something in general. And then I and I didn't hear the context of it. And my brain immediately thinks that they're saying something about me. And so before going to that, um, there's some things that had led up to uh, me discovering this thing called uh, dialectical behavioral therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, DBT or CBT. Yeah, I think, I've, I think I've heard of that before. Yeah, so they're like these mental tools um, to be able to utilize. Now, I didn't use them in their fullness. I just learned about their general ideas, some of them being something like mindfulness, and that's a loaded term, but one where it's like the way I remember interpreting it was that while you are physically in the moment and you hear something and you're experiencing these feelings, you actually take like a mental step back. So you're almost like in a third, uh, it's like a third person kind of point of view where it's like you see yourself sitting there in the chair and you kind of just step back and you're like, okay, what had happened? What am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling that? Is this an appropriate thing to feel in response to what had happened? And being in those moments, I had plenty of opportunities to continue to practice that. And so um, I would do that, and I'm like, okay, well, no, they, I don't know what they actually said, so there's no point in me being upset right now. So it's kind of like 
you could say I rationalized some of those things away. The other aspect of it too that I had to push myself was I'd have conversations with them and I, with some of these uh, other guys in the program. And at one point, <laughs> I asked like a loaded question. <laughs> I said, we were driving the car because the point was I was trying to figure out how to grow. And the only thing I could think of was I asked him, hey, how do I annoy you? <laughs> 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 like if that's not a loaded question, I don't know what is. It's like you're just – you're asking somebody a question to just receive some negative input potentially um, in a way that, yeah, you, you just, like, you could potentially be insulted. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't know how else to ask this question, so I'm going to ask it because I need to grow. And so he was honest with me, and I appreciate it. And he was also, though, he was honest in a loving way. Um, I knew that he cared about me. So um, I knew that he would give me an, an honest take and wouldn't necessarily uh, rip into me. So I heard what he said, and I also had to mentally prepare myself when I asked the question to not try to form a defense for the different things that he had said because that's the natural reaction. It's like you say something like, no, I don't always do that. It's like, no, I had to tell myself I'm going to shut up, listen, take it in, and allow myself to reflect on it, not just in this moment, but in the moments to follow, wherever that might be. Yeah. So those are just being like small examples um, to a longstanding relationship that I had, um, almost three years relationship with uh, my ex. And that was definitely another growing point to a lot of those things, taking some of the same principles, applying it within that relationship and saying, okay, what are some things about me that need to improve? And then trying to practice it even when it's difficult. So this has been over the course of like seven years. This is not an overnight thing. Yeah. yeah. And change takes time. It really does. I think a lot of people, when they want to change, they want instant change to happen overnight. Okay, I'm going to get my life straightened out tomorrow. Um, but I want to get six-pack abs. <laughs> in two in 30 days. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But no, change is something that takes, it takes time. It takes discipline. And there's going to be a lot of moments when it hurts and you feel like you want to give up and go back to your old ways because it's easier. Um, but, and that's, I think that's a huge part of why we're saying, you know, if people do change, it's so hard. It's so difficult. But it takes time and it takes will, it takes the will, your will to actually go about it. I think everything takes time and everything's going to be difficult. So it's one of those things of like, do you want to take time and get better Mm. or do you want to take time and get worse? Because you can take the time to go to the gym and work out and do all those things that you're supposed to do and eat right and you'll see the results in a few months. Or you can take the time to quote unquote not take the time and you'll progressively see the weight get on. You'll see yourself changing in a different way and it's more than likely a way that you do not approve of so anything takes time and it's going to be difficult but it's just up to you as to how you're going to want to do that right I get that and I did want to touch upon something a little bit earlier that you mentioned Kevin I think it was cognitive behavior therapy Mm -hmm. Uh, that sounds just a lot like self-reflection and just in the moment saying okay why am I thinking this right where did these thoughts come from why am I feeling this way? And I think that is so important if we're thinking about thinking differently and actually training our minds to think about ourselves, about the world around us differently, is actually stepping back and saying, 
Why did I think that? Not just embracing the thoughts that we have in our mind, but taking the time to really question it, look at its roots, and then, okay, where do I go from here? I think what I want to touch upon from here is self-love is something that a lot of us have probably the whole world struggles with just because it's easier to think about ourselves more negatively than everyone else. That's a huge, huge part of why it's easy to just think in negative thoughts. It's almost like it's it's spontaneous. It's almost like it's subconscious when it happens. You know, like Kevin was saying, uh, someone will say something neutrally and our mind will almost instantly take it as, as negative. And really self-love, that's what we have to embrace in order to see change in our lives. We have to give ourselves grace. We have to actually love ourselves mentally. Um, and so where does that start? How do we embrace that? Embrace loving yourself? Yeah. Sometimes it's just looking in the mirror and telling yourself you're beautiful or you're handsome and quoting things like that you are loved and you are worth it and Jesus loves you and pulling out scriptures like that. Those affirmations really do make a difference. And I think because it's so popularized in social media that a lot of people kind of tone it down, but it works. That's one of the ways to embrace self-love because a lot of times you'll get that Christian answer of, but Jesus loves you, and because he loves you, you are loved. And it's like, yeah, that's very true. He does love you, but we don't perceive ourselves the way everyone else does. So a lot of times when we first hear that, it's like, oh, Jesus loves us. Yes, he does. But then you point out, but I do X, Y, Z. How does he love me in these areas? You know. So yes, Jesus does love you. He always will. But it's also like, hey, like, take the time to remind yourself that you yourself love you too. And find things that you like about you. If you have to look in the mirror, pick one thing you like about yourself and just say, hey, you look really great today. Your eyes are beautiful. Boom. But some people might call those self-affirmations fluff. It's only fluff if you allow yourself to think it's fluff. A lot of times when people say it's fluff, it's insecurity speaking. It's themselves not wanting to be, it's themselves not wanting to be, I guess, right, or to actually take the time to show themselves loved because it's so ingrained in their mind that they're not. If it's ingrained in my mind that, you know, I'm too loud, I will always do my best to like quiet myself down or to fit someone else's mold of me. Instead of just embracing what God gave me, I'm not loud, I'm bold. Mm. That's good. That's good. We have to see our imperfections the way that Jesus sees them, right? And a lot of times we can focus on our imperfections, especially in the mirror example. We can look in the mirror and see ourselves and instantly see, man, I don't like my hair. I don't like the way I'm dressed. Um, And it's hard in that moment to catch ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to say something positive about myself. I'm going to embrace this. And that's that's what change looks like. Well, a lot of times people focus too much on the imperfections and then they act like imperfections are a bad thing. Last time I checked, everyone has imperfections. Why are we so concerned with ours instead of other people's? Well, is the imperfection something about you that's not right or is it a character trait? Is it a trait of who you are? Mm. That's another point, too. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good question. If it's a character trait of... It's a, if it, if or a it, personality trait. If it's a personality trait and you deem it as an imperfection, then instead of seeing it as an imperfection, you can just see it as another way to grow. 
I know that when people hurt me, I shut them down and I put a wall up. So the Lord has had to teach me to let walls down and allow myself to be vulnerable with other people because they're not out to hurt me. They're out to help me. And if they are out to hurt me, that's between them and Jesus. They ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge part of it is realizing that they're a part of our personality. For another example, say there's uh, people get a lot of anxiety before public speaking instead of just saying, oh, it happens every time. So I'm going to feel anxious, realizing it so that you can prepare for it better in the future and take measures to actually calm yourself down. Um, that's a huge part of growth and growing, not putting aside or denouncing your imperfections, but embracing them and saying, okay, this is who I am. How can I grow out of this? That's difficult, though. I'm not it is. Lie to you. It is. Because we don't, a lot of the times, we don't want to embrace our imperfections. It's part of ourselves that we don't like. It's a part of ourselves where it's hard to look in the mirror and say, hey, you have this problem. Yeah. Or so to speak, like, hey, even if it, I'm going to call some people out here and be like, hey, you have this red flag. This is a part of you that's not good in relationships. Hey, let's call this out real quick. In yourself, because it's better to have yourself call it out or someone else to call it out and you grow from that than you damaging other people through those. There's an aspect of self-love. The reason why I mentioned the, the fluff, um, in order to, I think in order to really love yourself, you also have to know what's true. And I think that's what mm. we're kind of touching on here. Yeah. So the reason why I bring up the fluff is that the reason why I feel that people that people call something um, fluff uh, is that they don't know why it's true. Mm. And so therefore they don't believe it to be true. So when they hear people say things like, oh, just have self-affirmations, like say that you're beautiful, say that you're handsome, they say that that's worthless because they don't believe those things to be true. Mm. So to them it's just fluff. Now, how do you know that these things are true. Well, as Christians, we have scripture, right? So from that, we have our source of truth. We say that the whole entire Bible is true. There's not one error in it. And so from that, we can derive the truths of who we are. And if God says that we're loved, then we are loved. If God says that we are beautiful, we're beautiful. So, or if he says that we're perfect in his eyes, then we are perfect. And it is only, and for me, it is only when I learn those things through scripture that I can now say those things about myself. And there's nothing that can take that away from me because this is an eternal truth Mm. that will remain unchanged. But that's something that you've also founded in truth. A lot of times people won't do the work to find out those things. They just kind of, that sounds jacked up, but they kind of just let themselves live in that self-pity. Right. And, well, there's also a founding of the truth that you mentioned where it's like you have some people found their truth based off of what somebody else has said about them or Mm -hmm. what they've said. You know, it's like, well, today I feel like this. I feel beautiful. I feel confident. I feel like I'm on top of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, if that truth of who you are is based off of that, hey, feelings change. Mm-hmm. Feelings change faster than the weather. All right. So it's true. Like, if you're 
truth of who you are is based off of your feelings, good luck. That's all I can say. Because mm-hmm. you're going to be trying to find truth somewhere else then before you know it. So then where's the next place that you'll likely turn? Others. And what are others going to do? They're going to let you down eventually because yeah. we're human. We might have said something that we didn't mean to say, even if we meant something else. Or because of the nature of communi- communication, sometimes we, we misinterpret what somebody says. So even if somebody said something that was supposed to be a compliment, <laughs> we take it as an insult. <laughs> right. So if our truth now is being derived from other people, we have a lot of potential error points that can come up, uh, points of, of failure. And so if that's where you're going to base the truth of who you are, again, what I say is good luck. Yeah. And I think what you're getting at here is that what we have to base our truth off of is something that is consistent, something that doesn't change. And the only thing that doesn't change in this universe is God himself. He is the only one that doesn't change. His truth, his laws do not change throughout generation and generation. They remain the same. Everything else in this world is going to change. So whether it be emotion, science, if we try to base our truth off of that, then we're not going to do well. Our truth is constantly going to be changing like the wind. But if we base it around God, around what he says, then that's when we're going to become solid. That's when we can start living a better life. It's that standing on the rock while everyone else is on sinking. That's where Jesus said, how do you build your house? Do you build it on a solid rock? Yeah. Just as you said. Or the sinking sand. When the, where the waves and winds, they will beat. And either in both of those situations, the winds will come the wave will be against that house that you build up because that's life. And if you built it upon the foundation of something that's unstable, like a sandy foundation, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sink, yeah. sinking sand. Or did you build it on a rock, on this solid foundation that will not change? Somebody might, a pessimist might argue, well, earthquakes and change rocks. It's like, well, you're a pessimist. Of course you're going to think that. <laughs> but... There is not an earthquake that can change the truth of who God is. There's nothing more powerful than God. And so that's why he is an unchanging rock. Amen. Amen, preach. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that's so good. And I do, I would like to tie this into God and into Scripture. Something that's also been in my mind, especially this past year, is what is the greatest commandment God gives us? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I think it's so easy for us to recite that, but then not look deep enough in it, just deep enough to say, okay, I'm loving the Lord with all my heart. It's not just your heart. It calls you to love him with your soul, but also with your mind. Mm. I think that is so overlooked. And so I was really reading that, and I saw that, and I started thinking, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. What does that look like? That's a great question, It Talon. is. It's a tough question <laughs> is what it is. Well, what, what comes from your mind? What do we normally think of as mind? It's the seat of our thoughts, right? That's what Scripture would say. Just as the heart, they would say, is the seat of your emotions. It's from which your emotions come from. Your mind is from what we would say your thoughts come from. So starting with that, how do you serve the Lord? Or how do you love the Lord with all your mind? It involves your thoughts, right? Yeah. So you need to take captive your thoughts, <laughs> as another scripture would say, first of scripture. 
Um, and sorry for those listening that want to have the direct verse in chapter quoted. <laughs> right now, they are not coming to mind. But yeah, you need to take captive every thought that comes to your mind. You need to control those things. And that means the thoughts that you are thinking about, that you choose to think about, right? Like right now I'm choosing to be thinking about what we're saying here, what we're talking about, instead of letting my mind wander. So I'm taking captive my thoughts right there. It's also taking captive the thoughts that come into your mind from outside sources, not just internally. So what is it that you're what is it that you're choosing to consume like mm. digital media or any form of information or thoughts or ideas we always want to in the modern age talk about technology but really what we're getting at is where are these thoughts and ideas coming from and what are those thoughts and ideas so that's, take captive those thoughts that's so good because what we read and what we consume affects our thought life. And I think it affects it a lot more than people will say that it does, right? What we read, the messages that are coming towards us, they're going to affect our thinking. And so if we direct our consumption to negative things such as social media, all of these different opinions, different ways of looking at life, it's going to it's going to cause chaos in our mind because we're not going to know what's true. We're not going to know what to think on certain aspects. Mm-hmm. But if we build it on a positive outlet, if we build it on the Bible and the messages, the positive, the nourishing messages that the Bible give us, that's really going to enrich our thought life. And I think that's why devotion in the Bible is so important because we're continually renewing our minds with God's word. Where I would challenge that idea though, because I mean, I agree with it, but it has to have a an idea backing that up. Because if you were to just say, we need to build it upon some positive message and the Bible's a positive message, well, then people would say, I can just choose any positive message then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's underlying that positive message is objective truth. We are subjective beings. We are biased. We can't get rid of our biases. Even if we understand our mental and cognitive biases, these filters that cannot go away of how we filter the incoming information. We cannot get rid of them. So we need to have a source that is objective. And that's where, as Christians, we would argue that, well, no, God is objective. And therefore, the word that he spoke and brought to us through, through humanity was still objective truth. And that objective truth happens to also be positive. And so from that, we allow those thoughts to enter in our minds. We consume those things, those thoughts and ideas, uh, and reflect upon them rather than just letting any other thing come into our mind. There is an aspect of you need to choose those things. You need to take captive those choices that you make and say, okay, am I... Am I passively choosing to just use this technology to distract myself, whatever that technology is? Mm. Or am I going to actively make a choice here and say that I'm going to do something that's more worthwhile? Mm. And that also can be difficult 
just like I said earlier, with the choices of changing and choosing these changes in who I am. Yeah. That's not easy. And you have to continually make those choices. Yeah. The Lord had to call me out on that one because I was spending so much time on social media. Because when you are constantly looking at other people's lives and how they're living, and it gets to a point where you feel like they're doing so much better than you, and then it becomes a degrading thing where you just start feeling like you're not enough. So that com- comparison truly is the thief of joy. So when you have all that going on in a young mind, it can cause some damage. So the Lord had to call me out on it. He even told me, he was like, Erica, you're spending more time on social media than you are with me. That hurts. I just want y'all to hear that out. But I know for me, it was, I had to make a conscious choice to set time aside when I got off of work, because I prayed in the morning, but I had to take time aside when I got off of work that night and just spend 30 minutes with him before I touched the TV or before I touched social media or before I did anything else, just because I had to remain centered in him. And if I would be constantly looking at other people's lives, then I wouldn't be thankful or content with the blessings of my own. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times in this world, we forget to be, I won't say we forget, but because we're so busy looking at every at what everyone else has and what we don't have, we forget to be thankful for the things that we do. Because we really are blessed. Like, we are. And yeah, some people are going through things. That's real. Sometimes it's hard to get food. I'm not going to lie to y'all. But God is still a provider. So it, be content in what you have on top of that. Yeah. And remember that a lot of times social media is fake anyway. That car is probably rented. And if it's theirs, good for them. You can get that too. But focus on you before you focus on your assets. And do you really need that car? You don't. <laughs> I don't need a Ferrari. But, I mean, I'm not going to be mad if I had one. Right. <laughs> But I don't think on my deathbed I'm going to be like, man, I wish I could just be sitting in a Ferrari right now as I'm taking my last breaths. Like, that would be the best thing in the world. I mean, that might be me on my death. <laughs> <laughs> my one last breath, like, <gasps> did you remember to shift the gear? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know nothing about cars if you can't tell. <laughs> no, that is that is so good, though. Um, and it's easy to forget uh, it's easy to not be grateful for that which we have. Right? This is America. Yeah, it's easy to not be grateful. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but I think really going back to the original question, that is such a powerful way in which we can love the Lord with all of our mind is are we being grateful in our thoughts for that which mm-hmm. he's blessed us with? Even though there are hardships, even though there is suffering, are we being grateful for the blessings that he's given out? Because if we're constantly in a negative mindset, focusing on that which is not going right, that which is going wrong, we're living with an ungrateful mindset. And it's almost like, God, you gave me all these blessings, but I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on what I don't have. Yeah. And that's just a huge way that we respond in love towards God is saying, God, even though things are broken right now here, thank you that you have blessed me with these things. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. It it's, really is. It's that even though that gets you. I feel like a lot of people forget about the even though. Because life can be hard even though something's going wrong. God is still on his throne. And, you know, he really does hold every tear that we cry. 
He really does see the desires of our hearts. And I know that sometimes we got to go through some things to get to just to grow. And it says it in the Bible in Romans 12 or 8. Don't quote me on that one. Um, It says that if he didn't chastise us, if he didn't correct us, if he didn't do those things to break us down so he can build us up, we can't even call ourselves sons and daughters because if he didn't do it, it meant he didn't love us. Everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, but nobody wants to lift the weights. Ooh. Ooh. I was going to judge you so heavily for that, and then I was like, dang, that's really good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. <laughs> that, that's really good. But hey, it's so true, though. Yeah, it's it is. It's so true. No one wants to take the time to meal prep. No one wants to take that time, but they want the results of meal prepping. They want that six-pack. Six-pack comes from the kitchen, not the not the gym. A little bit of the gym, too. I mean, somewhat the gym. <laughs> if you only do one, look up the mild tactic crunch. That's the one nav exercise that will get you a six-pack. Yeah, you were talking to me about that just the other day, actually. Yeah. I have to go Google that now. It, it engages the full range of motion within your abs uh, versus most uh, ab workouts are just laying on the ground and trying to bring yourself up, and you're just engaging the same range of motion. Mm. So... Just a little yeah. fun fact about So for six-packs. all those who are I say that I don't have one. wanting a six-pack in 30 days, <laughs> there you go. All right, well, we are unfortunately running out of time. So before we end this podcast, I did want to quickly ask uh, for each of you, and whoever wants to go first, go ahead. What is one piece of encouragement that you'd like to share for the listeners for this week ahead? God is still with you through the good and the bad, and even though it hurts, he hasn't left you. Joy comes in the morning. So sometimes we have to cry tears just to find the joy. The truth is unchanging, so continue to fight to find out what the truth is if you don't know what it is Mm. because it will not change. That's good. That's really good. Well, Kevin, Erica, thank you all so much for joining this first episode of the Audacious Podcast. This has been a pleasure. And anyways, I am your host, Talon Bowie, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.